Listener Production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Tuesday, the 11th of October. We start in Ukraine this morning where there's been a deadly escalation in the war with Russia. At least 11 people have been killed and 70 others injured after Russia launched more than 70 missile attacks across various locations in Ukraine. The country's capital, Kyiv, was also targeted. A BBC journalist even having to duck for cover while he was delivering a live news report as a missile hit Kyiv. Let's take a listen. So the fear is that this could trigger a very strong Russian response. We saw yesterday uh, that a residential area of the city of Zaporizhia, a major city in the south of the country, very close to the front lines, uh, was hit. Uh, more than a dozen. So... U.S. President Joe Biden has this morning strongly condemned Vladimir Putin's latest attack as utter brutality against the Ukrainian people, adding it will hold Putin and Russia accountable for its atrocities and war crimes. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky has asked his residents to remain strong. The time and the goals were specially chosen to cause as much damage as possible. But we are Ukrainians. We help each other. We believe in ourselves. We restore everything that is destroyed. There may be temporary power outages now, but there will never be an interruption in our confidence, our confidence in victory. That audio thanks to Channel 7. The attacks are believed to be in retaliation for the explosion at Crimea Bridge over the weekend, an act Russian President Vladimir Putin labelled as terrorism. To today's other news now, and with another wet weather system about to smash Australia's east coast this week, Australians are being warned we need to brace for an increased risk of tropical cyclones and more widespread flooding this summer. The Bureau of Meteorology has released its latest long-range forecast for October to April, predicting we'll see more extreme weather events like flooding, cyclones, heatwaves, bushfires and thunderstorms. Communities in Queensland are being warned to prepare now with the chance of a tropical cyclone to hit as early as next month. While there's also more of a chance of prolonged heatwaves in the southern parts of the country because of higher humidity. Federal Emergency Management Minister Murray Waters told the ABC wild weather is set to last for months. On top of all this flooding, we're also looking at a relatively high number of cyclones, potential bushfires and grass fires in parts of the country. So we really are looking at a perfect storm when it comes to weather events this coming summer. Meantime, flood warnings are still in place for a number of areas across New South Wales after torrential rain over the weekend. Another wet weather system will hit the east coast from tomorrow with southwest New South Wales, central Victoria and northern Tasmania all set to be affected. A major backflip from the New South Wales government. It will now reinstate warning signs before and after mobile speed cameras. The state government has come under pressure over the removal of the signs two years ago, which saw an increase of more than 830% in speeding fines in just 12 months. New South Wales Minister for Metropolitan Roads, Natalie Ward, says they've made the changes after listening to community feedback. We want them doing that at the time they drive, not three weeks later when they get a speeding fine in the mail. And this change will mean more people more often will have that visual reminder to slow down and not speed at these high-risk locations across our road network. 
Meantime, playground equipment has been fenced off at a park in Sydney after a little girl had two of her fingertips severed and was rushed to hospital. Our reporter Michaela Savage has more from Sydney. Yeah, that's right, Tash. The five-year-old was playing at Strathfield Park in Sydney's Inner West when her hand became trapped in the carousel. Two of her fingertips became detached from her hand, with firefighters scrambling to locate the fingertips and free her. She was then taken to the Children's Hospital at Westmead for emergency treatment. It's not quite clear how this has all happened, but Strathfield councillors confirmed the play equipment has been fenced off at the park and so has other similar merry-go-round equipment at other local parks and an investigation is under away. And wildlife experts are warning we need to stay away from sea lions after an attack north of Perth. Our reporter Adam Hemmings explains. Tash, two children got a little bit close to a sea lion off Lancelin on Sunday. The kids aged under 10 suffered injuries which weren't life-threatening but required treatment at the local nursing post before they were driven to Perth Children's Hospital. It's now prompted warnings from wildlife experts. They're urging beachgoers to steer clear of the animals despite their playful nature amid fears there could be more attacks. They say we should never swim after a sea lion and we should be keeping our distance by up to two meters. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined this morning by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Scott, good morning. As we reported earlier, we've seen a massive escalation in the Russian invasion in Ukraine, and that's also set to have major ramifications financially and on the market. Tash, good morning. It really is. And look, we should say, you know, it's always the case on the finance guy, but, that you know, finance comes a very, very distant 10th, 11th, 12th in terms of the issues that are happening from Ukraine at the moment. But the international implications for the finance industry are really significant. The market really hasn't seen this type of global instability or potential for global instability for quite a few years now. I mean, obviously, COVID itself is a big deal. But if you go back, you know, in terms of that kind of the military pressure or the, the geopolitical instability specifically it's been a very long time and we don't yet know what the ramifications might be how widespread this might end up being how long it might go for everything from supply chains but right through to how reliable international trading will be Um, it is a really big issue markets tend to shoot first ask questions later and that is the case often in these sort of situations as well and scott that's the interesting point isn't it because then that's the question about what the reserve bank is doing with interest rates no matter what they try and do with the cash rate it Mm. mightn't actually bring down inflation because we've got many of these things that are really out of our control it is remarkably difficult. You know, global supply chains are global by definition, and they're not made for this sort of disruption. We saw again during COVID. You don't have to do much. We saw global shipping absolutely gum up. Uh, we saw, of course, wheat prices, fuel prices go through the roof on the back of both COVID and the Ukraine scenarios. And once those things get into the supply chains, they become endemic in themselves. They start to push up other prices, and once that happens those other prices become that feedback loop. They start to create higher prices in and of themselves. So that's a real concern, I think, for international markets. But as you say, more importantly for the RBA, because they're trying to keep inflation down. The other thing, by the way, if they don't do enough on interest rates, and we've talked about this before, if they don't push interest rates up along with the rest of the world, that actually pushes the Australian dollar down. Now, most of us, if we're not travelling, we may not care, but a lower Aussie dollar, great for our exporters, by the way, fantastic for exporters, but it increases the prices of imported goods. So every time we buy a car or a computer or a TV or something else, it pushes up those prices as well. So the RBA is in a really, really tricky spot. And of course, we want to make sure that people don't have undue mortgage pain. 
But yeah. what they can do, what they're able to do, is a really open question. And financially, we're seeing all of this instability internationally with Ukraine and, of course, the the big issue with COVID still continuing. But then mm. new data shows industries, some industries in Australia are absolutely nailing it at the moment. <laughs> and this is the real challenge. I shouldn't laugh. Normally, we normally we we love the economy to be growing. Normally, we'd be sitting here saying, "How wonderful is it?" Australian twelve out of thirteen surveyed industries by the Australian Bureau of Statistics released yesterday grew month on month between July and August. Now, again, we want some moderate levels of growth. Even the RBA wants that, but we're growing remarkably strongly month on month, very strongly year on year. By the way, now the last year numbers, of course, were COVID impacted, so we kind of got to put an asterisk against those. But month on month, what? what efforts the RBA is making to try and slow down the economy, thus far at least we're really showing very little sign of that actually changing or impacting business turnover. And if it doesn't stop us spending, then the RBA is doing, I would say, doing it all for naught, but it may well consider it has to do more unless it changes its mind on inflation because if we keep spending at this rate, that does keep putting pressure on prices. And interesting to note, there's new research out today, Scott, showing that the majority of Australians with this survey would prefer a cut in spending rather than tax cuts because that's really front and centre with the upcoming federal budget. It's fascinating, Tash. And this is a real challenge. These surveys are really difficult, right? So on one hand, the stage three tax cuts, whether or not they should go ahead, has been absolutely in focus. And you've been talking about that for a couple of weeks. The questions now economically are, what does it mean for the government who's saying, well, hang on, do we break a political promise? Do we say, we said we're going to go to the election with these cuts. Of course, the Liberal opposition is pushing very hard, saying don't break your promise. We'll, we'll, you know, tar and feather you for it. And on on one level, that seems very reasonable. On the other hand, we have a massive budget deficit. It's a growing debt. Um, and there's going to be potentially a lot of spending unveiled in the next budget, apparently. Uh, the, the, the strategic leaks of, of you know, military uh, and defence spending unbudgeted or unfunded that's going to come through. It's running late, of course, as well. But Australians don't want to pay more tax. We very rarely do want to pay more tax for that. And when you're asked, would you rather pay more tax or would you rather government find some spending, the general view is, well, there must be some wasted spending somewhere. I guess they must be able to cut, right? Let's, let's let them do that. Think about the sort of numbers we're talking about. We're talking about $240 billion worth of stage three tax cuts. That's not easy spending to cuts to find almost anywhere. Um, the size of that, by the way, it's almost double the cost of the energy transition. We saw some other reports out yesterday saying, you know, change your renewable energy costs about $100 billion. We're spending two or two and a half times that on these tax cuts. So, you know, trying to find that sort of spending relief, that's very, very difficult. It's not impossible, but that's the land they live in. The voters want spending cuts before tax cuts. We all want to get a little bit more money in our back pockets. And why wouldn't we at this time of year, particularly with what's happening in the economy? Uh, very, very difficult times for the economy and very difficult for the government as well. Roller coaster right ahead. Scott, thanks as always. As always. Thanks, Tash. Time for Sport Now with Josh Conway. Josh, good morning. It was a busy day at the AFL trade table for many clubs yesterday. It sure was, Tash. One of the biggest deals to ever go down in the league has taken place. Four clubs, six first-round picks, and last year's number one selection, Jason Horn francis were all a part of it. Now, it can get a bit tricky to try and explain these things, but in essence, North Melbourne has swapped Horn francis and this year's pick one for selections two and three at this year's draft, while Port Adelaide get Junior Rioli from West Coast as well as Horn Francis after coughing up pick eight and a handful of picks themselves. GWS, now in the shuffle, hold this year's first draft selection in exchange for picks three and 12. Make sense of that if you can. The Roos have defended their decision, though, to part ways with both pick one and Horn Francis. List boss Brady Rawlings says they've improved their hand. But we've got a player that's uh, incredibly homesick. We felt that we probably wouldn't get the best 
footy out of him next year. So that was a decision that, that we made that led to, to doing this trade, which we think is, is, will have come out in a pretty favourable position. In other deals yesterday, Will Setterfield joined the Bombers and Isaac Rankin became a crow, but the big one was Luke Jackson returning home to Fremantle from the Ds. He says the pull of family was strong. Obviously, being around my family, really close with them, uh, my mates as well. So, mum and dad are stoked and um, all my brothers as well. So, yeah, can't wait to get into it. Still heaps to play out ahead of Wednesday's deadline, Tash. It really is the silly season. Deals for Brody Grundy and Josh Dunkley, among others, still to be thrashed out. Yeah, absolutely. And Josh, a former Aussie great, has supported the return of a tennis champion to next year's Aussie Open. Yeah, that's right. Todd Woodbridge has thrown his weight behind Novak Djokovic's potential return to the country for next year's Oz Open, with Novak's travel ban looking like it will be lifted after he was deported earlier in the year. Here's what Todd had to say on Nine. For me, it's important, though, that the Australian Open has the very best players competing in it. It really will be interesting to see how that one plays out, Tash. I'm sure opinions will be divided. And just to finish... In some NBL Monday night action, the Perth Wildcats were big winners. They defeated Cairns away from home, 105 to 76. Josh, thanks so much. And John Farnham's sons say their famous dad is almost back to his old self after undergoing life-saving surgery. The 73-year-old Australian icon was diagnosed with mouth cancer in August and underwent a marathon 12 hours of surgery. Farnham's sons, Robert and James, say their dad is recovering well and have thanked his thousands of fans for all their love and support. It was kind of comforting to know that Australia was behind him too and I, I know he appreciated that. I remember when we first told him he kind of got all teary because that's what he does. He never expects everyone to still love him, but they do. That audio thanks to Channel 9. We wish John all the very best. And that's all you need to know to start your day with Australia Today's Morning Agenda in your podcast feed from 7am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the Listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we'll see you tomorrow. Listener.